Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones. Barron. He's got it. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket in association with LV Insurance, uh, who, of course, are the sponsors not only of the Test Series, but also the County Championship. There isn't actually any County Championship action at the moment because everything's paused for, for two things. For firstly, uh, the Vitality Blast uh, finals day on Saturday, Edgbaston. and of course, also big news the Village Cup final, the Vinius Village Cup final, which is uh, sponsored by the cricketer and Vinius as well. And uh, it's been the uh, tournament that the cricketer have backed ever since 1971. So, this is the 50th Village Cup final. Uh, very exciting. Two new teams in it as well Calmore from Hampshire and Alvin Lee from Cheshire. So, a sort of north south kind of contest as well it's on Sunday at Lords and you can go actually it's only about 15 pounds for a ticket it's a brilliant event so uh, make an effort if you're in the area to get down to that uh, a, a wonderful occasion for the grassroots of the game and actually just a, a great day out in fact at Lords uh, you know it'll be a small crowd but it'll be a very festive and noisy crowd and uh, one team uh, will make history and, and become their first village cup champions uh, and they'll get a dinner afterwards and a presentation at Lords and all that so it is a wonderful day so if you can get down to that the Vinius Village Cup final on Sunday at Lords. Um, meanwhile the new issue of the cricketer is out as well and uh, Hugh Turberville the managing editor is here with me to, to talk about it. Uh, in the second half of this show by the way we've got a very prominent cricketer interviewed uh, somebody who's made a big name for himself in both the county championship and the shorter formats as well. Chris Benjamin, who came down from Durham University in midsummer and has made uh, a huge storm, created a storm by scoring brilliant uh, innings, playing brilliant innings all around the country in different formats. Uh, quite a stunning arrival in his first season in county championship cricket and one day cricket. So his interview will come up after the, the break in this podcast. But first, we should just talk to you about 
this issue, which in a way was inspired by you because the front cover says red alert. And what we mean by that is a, a, a fear for the one day format of the game taking over and the red ball formats, both first class and test cricket being marginalised. And it's sort of like a little campaign in a way to make it uh, recognised better, especially first class cricket. What was that uh, inspired by? What was your kind of initiative there inspired by? Watching the England test team, Simon, uh, has been very frustrating this summer, hasn't it? Um, you could even go back to the spring in India, but I mean, that was obviously pretty hard work for England in pretty alien con conditions. But uh, this summer, they've been very disappointing in the two test series against New Zealand. They lost it 1-0. They didn't go for the run chase at Lords, which was disappointing, wasn't it? And then they struggled in the India test series, albeit with that excellent victory at Headingley. But, uh, you know, they capitulated at Lords and the Oval, lost the series, or did they, arguably, you know, um, legal cases pending. Yes, right. They lost still, the flag's still flying on that one. Yeah, yeah we, I mean, anyway, they, they lost the 2-1, didn't they? I mean, I think, oh, I don't know. Um, all that aside. Uh, so, yeah, the England Test team has been struggling, and I, and I think England have been winging it in Test cricket since Andrew Strauss said that... Uh, from now on, we we're going to sort of prioritise the white ball game in order to allow giving them their best chance of winning the World Cup. And of course, they did that. And then Ashley Giles in 2019 said that Wright's gone too far. We're going to row back a bit and we're going to get red ball game back up, back on its feet again. But we haven't really seen any evidence of that. I'm not saying it's Ashley's fault because I think he's a good guy, but um, we still have county championship games played in April and September and we've now got the 100 in the middle of the summer and we've got all the counties dictating that the blast games are played at certain times and enough's enough really I, I think test cricket is still very successful here very popular here very lucrative here and we've been winging it and we've been you know risking this and I think our, is it our chickens have come home to roost or something um, you know it's um oh I mean it, it, it's something to say when you know players come into a, an England test side the likes of Joss Butler Chris Wokes Ollie Pope they haven't played a single first class innings yeah, in some cases I, I think Pope had actually he played a he played early season didn't he but you know Johnny Bairstow hadn't played a first class innings this year before coming into the test side I mean it's mad isn't it if you compare that to well, like you said, sort of 10, 20 years ago, when players might even have 700 runs before they mm. play a test match. Uh, and that means first-class runs. Um, and, and I suppose bowlers as well. I mean, bowlers, I guess, in a way, can be protected a bit more from the... I mean, I mean one, one of the things that happened in the when I played in the 1980s was a lot of bowlers were injured because of the amount of bowling they did in first-class cricket, which meant they then couldn't play for England. And there was that famous series in... 1989, where England picked 29 players against Australia in six tests, and about half of them were fast bowlers because they kept breaking down. But no, I take your point totally. And you've uh, explored that in your googly uh, feature and also in your main feature, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, so there's, there's a, you brought up a few issues there. The central contracts, in, which came in in 2000, brilliant, weren't they? And previously, somebody like Gus Fraser worked, bowled 20% of his overs. In the in Test cricket, um, and most of them were for sort of Middlesex, whereas Glenn McGrath bowled sixty percent of his overs for Australia in Test. So have I got that right? So yeah, yeah, the central contracts allowed England 
to improve upon that. Um, but since then, you know, lately we've got rid of two... Di- all the improvements that help the England Test team, like two divisions, are sort of... They're just sort of rowing back a bit now, aren't they? And we've had, you know, conferences and so on. Things... The tectonic plates are shifting a little bit. We're hearing hearing that they're going to go back to two divisions next year. We're also hearing there is going to be a bit of a better spread of red ball cricket throughout the summer. Thank goodness. Although what the availability will be like, I don't know when you factor in the, all the blast games and all the hundred games. But uh, I think that I'm hearing that there is a, a bit better spread of red and white ball next summer, which is good news. And maybe our campaign is hitting home already, I jest. But, you know... Um, well, it, well, it is a sort of campaign. And, and actually, um, the red alert uh, headline on the cover... Uh, which you know is is an appropriate uh, title um, uh, has been you know referred to uh, obliquely by Joe Root after the series had finished against India, saying yes, we do need more first class yeah. wicket throughout the summer to to prepare players better. He feels yeah, he, bereft of of players informed, doesn't he? He came out and said it, and you know if he the ultra diplomatic uh, nice guy Joe Root, if he's moved to say it, then there's a problem, isn't there? We've also got a letter, haven't we, in the cricketer from his granddad, Don, <laughs> yeah. talking about the same thing. Yeah. Um, um, what a great man. Fair play to him. <laughs> you know, he, he knows that that might cause a bit of a stir, but he's saying it's ridiculous. So you'd speculate he's been talking to his grandson and probably he's been watching it and thinking, oh, poor, my poor grandson, you know, having to carry the can with this. I mean, Mark Wood coming into test matches after hardly bowling a ball. David Milan, the good news about David Milan going into the test was he was in great nick. His previous uh, county championship innings had produced 199 runs. The bad news was it was 11 months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. But I, must say, I must say the counter-argument, of course, is people like Don Topley will say that actually playing in the county championship doesn't prepare you, and it's actually pretty poor standard, isn't it? And Graham Thorpe went on the record and said, you know, they had problems with Joe Root getting him back to test cricket because his back cliff had slowed down after playing in the county championship against sort of 75 mile an hour bowlers and 85 miles an hour bowlers. So our campaign is not just saying you must play more red ball cricket, although they need to, but it, it's also got to be better red ball cricket, isn't it? It's got to be two divisions. It's got to be a higher standard, hasn't it? Mm. And grounds well, are not producing yeah. so many result wickets, you know. Because mm. we want to yeah. see more spinners, don't we? We want to see... I wonder if, uh, I, I just want, I asked this question actually in committee at the MCC the other day, um, we were talking about cricket and pitches and so on, and I said, um, any chance that there'll be more games played on uh, hybrid pitches? Because the hybrid pitches that have played, used, have been used in 100, played really well. And they last, they last a long time. I mean, maybe spinners won't get quite as much opportunity on a hybrid pitch uh, because it won't deteriorate, but they're definitely better tracks generally. There's more even bounce and they don't sort of seam around quite as much because I don't think they're as damp, or at least they don't look as if they are. So, you know, there's lots of kind of things that can be done to to help this situation. You mentioned Joe Root there. Another piece in the mag actually is Mike Brearley, who's our you know regular columnist, writing about Root's uh, handling of that uh, Lord's sort of fiasco when the uh, the tail end of India kind of, just got away from England and England lost the plot a little bit with the ball and that cost them that test match at Lords uh, because that uh, lower order pair of Bumrah and uh, Mohammed Shami put on, I don't know, was it 80 or 90 runs and just took the game away from England who then folded that afternoon. 
and really sort of explores how a captain might handle that situation, how bowlers can help as well, and 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 just try not to let that situation unravel. And one of the things he points out actually is that they hardly ever bowled a ball that was going to hit stumps because uh, <laughs> you get you you just get the red mist when you're bowling in those in those situations. You just need a captain to take a bit of a lead and and get control. Yeah, it reminded me of um, an exchange between Judy Dench's M and General Roebuck in the James Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies. And um, General Roebuck says to Judy Dench, with all due respect, M, sometimes I don't think you've got the balls for this job. And she said, perhaps, but the advantage of that is I don't have to think with them all the time. And um, I think <laughs> Joe Root and the England bowlers did let the testosterone take control of that situation, didn't they? Or, you know, it was the adrenaline, maybe, you know, it was, um, yeah, we're going to fling everything at them and Mark was going to run in and bounce them out. And, you know, as you say, India just took the game away from England. They were in, in England started the day favourites, didn't they? Well, it's a nice all... metaphor, that. I like the way you brought um, James Bond into it. I know it's one of your obsessions and yeah. it's, a, it's a good link. And actually, another th- feature uh, is Joe's John Snow at 80. And of course, uh, he was a quick bowler. I wonder how he would have handled that situation. Actually, I don't think he was that famous for polishing off tail enders particularly. Although I know Jeff Boycott said that he used to bowl a good bouncer that tickled a batsman's ribs, which is where you want to see a bouncer really, sort of in, in around the armpit rather than over their head. But anyway, we've got Jon Snow profiled at I mean, 80 Simon, years in old. Those days, Simon, in those days, didn't they have a gentleman's agreement that they wouldn't bounce out their fellow yeah, tail probably they, they probably did. Unless but, they didn't like them much. But I don't Fred Truman didn't. Yeah, well, that, but the, the thing about that was that they had, as long as the tail enders treated with them with respect and sort of defended, whereas if yeah. the tail enders <clears> went for it, played a few shots like Mohammed Shami and Bumrah did, then then the bouncers would start coming out, wouldn't you they? You know, um, actually, it's interesting, but your, um, your uh, piece at the mm. end of the mag, David Ackfield, uh, uh, the whatever happened to the former mm. Essex off spinner, I remember him once batting at number 11 and he was a terrible batsman. And he was facing Wayne Daniel, the fast bowler from, from Barbados, who was playing for Middlesex. And I was at short leg and Ackfield was sort of edging back towards me. And he just whispered to me at one point, just tell him he can have my wicket. I'll, I'll just back away. As long as he doesn't bowl a bouncer, he can have my wicket. How the game has changed. Yeah. No, definitely. You t- you, you've got a story about that as well, haven't you? But Embury t- saying something funny when you arrived back. From the- you've t- I've heard <laughs> yes. you tell yes. Yeah, that that's the one about um, you know your 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 basically your arsehole fell out, which it did yeah. uh, that particular day. I can tell that story again another time, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners have already heard that one. Um, and just just one final um, mention of, of the mag, um, Ted Dexter, of course, who died just as we were about to go to press, and he he get he crops up in a few uh, little little accounts of of, of people um, people's features and things, and obviously we've got the obituary as well, and. Yeah, I mean, he was an amazing character, wasn't he? What a what a life he had, didn't he? Um, he was golf, brilliant golfer. I mean, we we had quite a bit of contact with him in the last few months, haven't we? Which was lovely. Yeah, um, writing he, letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah letters and critiquing the uh, technique of batsman. Mm. Yeah, you did an interview with him when he told us that he used to have a special place reserved on the Pullman down to Brighton every morning from Victoria with a newspaper and a crossword and his cup of tea ready for him. That's fantastic, wasn't it, all that stuff? And it was lovely to hear from him, and that's why it came as quite a shock to us when mm. we heard this very sad news that he'd gone. Because, um, you know, he'd be, seemed as um, healthy as ever, hadn't he? And, and 
yeah. and active. Yeah. His brain seemed very active. But no, I suppose you had um, brilliant, you know, innovative batsman who led Sussex to the uh, captain who led Sussex to the first two Gillette Cups. You'd had the wonderful <coughs> cavalier batsman that he was. You'd had the slightly dotty administrator, wasn't he, when he was chairman of selectors, calling people. He called Devon Malcolm Malcolm Devon, didn't he? And, yeah, and that, yeah. that was quite amusing. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, and golf, and married to a model, and, and uh, Louis, Louis' family to Australia. Yeah, to cover the yeah. ashes. I mean, what a life! His fiance was out there, wasn't there? And that caused a stir. I think that was sixty-two-three, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. So a, a hell of a life, and of course, he was instrumental in the founding of of, of short format cricket, really, because he he was the person who sort of inspired the Rothmans International Cavaliers, which played 40 over cricket on Sundays. And then that led to the Sunday league and then eventually to the other formats of, of, of cricket as well. One day cricket. So uh, a huge figure and hugely missed in uh, his uh, sudden departure from this life, but he would have been looking down on Joe Root's uh, fine performance in that Headingley test match, a hundred uh, or so he made there it was one of his greatest uh, innings and uh, that put him top of the list of run makers, almost, uh, well, certainly for England in a season or a year, but almost uh, threatening the, the, the most runs ever made by a batsman in a calendar year. And he's still got um, a couple of tests potentially in the ashes to go. So uh, an amazing uh, summer for Joe Root. And he's our cover star, even though he's looking quite sad because he was out. And uh, you can get The Cricketer, you can subscribe to The Cricketer by going to thecricketer.com slash subscribe and we urge you to join us because it really is a, a magazine rich in detail and color and character and fascinating insights into the game so the cricketer.com slash subscribe and hugh thanks very much for all your work and input Well, as one great figure leaves us, another one possibly emerges onto the county scene. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit premature to say Chris Benjamin will be an international star, but he's certainly heading that way. He started incredibly well for Warwickshire this year as he came down from Durham, having done his final exam straight into the Warwickshire second 11 T20 side, broke the record, the all-time record for the highest score in that competition, 149 from 66 balls against Glamorgan, which broke Jason Roy's record in that competition, straight into the Warwickshire first 11 for a Vitality Blast game. He made a 50 in that. And on debut in the Royal London, he made a 50 in that as well, which, of course, won him a place in the Birmingham Phoenix side, highly recommended by Moen Alley, who'd been in the opposition a couple of times uh, for the Birmingham Phoenix side, of course, which Moen was captain of, and uh, starred in that in a couple of games, made match-winning innings, played in the final, though couldn't quite get the Phoenix uh, over the line there, and then making his county championship debut against Lancashire at Old Trafford, he made 100 in that as well. So it has been an absolutely stellar beginning for Chris Benjamin, born in South Africa, but came here uh, to study two or three years ago and will be qualified actually for England in a couple of years. And I could identify with his story a little bit because I came down from Durham and went straight into the Middlesex side 40 years ago when we won the county championship and the Gillette Cup in that year. And I was sort of tipped for England with a, uh, having played really well. Beginner's luck, I suppose, because I was never anywhere near that again. But I, I sort of identify with his experience in his first year. So I thought it was an interesting 
figure to interview. And the first question I asked him really was, how did it come about that he came to England to play cricket? I first came to England um, due to the combination of the way um, the MCCU universities combined studying a great degree and playing cricket, so sort of a footpath into the professional game. Uh, fortunately, my dad's from here, so I have a British passport, um, as he's English. Uh, and just the combination between the two, there, there wasn't the same opportunity in South Africa to study a really, get a really good degree and play cricket at a high level. And I mean, Durham couldn't do it any better, really. So it was an opportunity to come to Durham, play some cricket, obviously get a, get a qualification and not on what, see what happened. No, my, my main dream has always been to be a cricketer, but the deal with my dad in terms of him supporting me with my dream chasing it was that I'd make sure I get a d good degree to fall back on if things didn't fall in place or down the line. Okay. I mean, it's fantastic to have now. Um, I can always fall back on it at any stage. So, no, it's worked out pretty perfectly. Um, in the dream world, it sort of all came through. But yeah, it was a deal with my dad. I'd get a degree while chasing the dream. Uh, and when did that dream start for you? You know, and where? Where did you sort of first dream about wanted to be a, a top cricketer and, and who did you want to play for? Yeah, it first came about almost since I can remember playing cricket in the backyard or the back garden with my friends. Um, I've only found out in later years they used to pretend to hide the ball in the garden, like the bushes and stuff, saying it was lost because they used to get so over bowling. Um, so some funny stories coming up now from back then. Um, so yeah, my first memories were always loving cricket. I was a big sportsman, played rugby, hockey, tennis, golf, all first team at school, loved them. Um, but cricket was always that number one, uh, always my main passion, my main dream. Uh, yeah, so I think right from my early, early childhood, I did spend three years in Uganda, sort of my last three years of primary school. Um, and that was a little bit harder because I look back now and with very fun memories and great life experiences, but at the time, I found it really hard because there was no cricket at school. There's no like rugby at school. Um, all I played was sort of basketball, did swimming, did athletics, did football. Um, but then I got to go train down with the Uganda national side when I was like 11 years old. So uh, I guess a unique experience. Um, and then from the moment I got to St. Andrews College for high school, um, was my number one goal was to get into the A team, to get into the first team, to play provincially um, and just keep pushing and pushing and knocking on the door. And don't tell me your hero is A.B. de Villiers. Yeah, um, A.B. and Josh Butler, I would say, are who I try and base my game off, try and aspire to be like. Um, yeah, try to be nice and positive, inventive. Uh, and also the multi-sports yeah, really the, the multi-sports thing I think as well I mean both of those cricketers played a lot of other sports which you can see in their games which is probably the same with you as well yeah no definitely um, I've had lots of people especially with sort of my reverse sweeping and ramping and that asking did I play a lot of hockey growing up um, so yeah I did play I mean I probably played more rugby but I did play a fair share of hockey as well so I definitely think that's helped um, my cricket game uh, as well as golf and that. So, no, it definitely does help playing a wide variety of sports when you're younger. And um, you, you trialled with Essex, didn't you? So how did you come about, uh, well, how did that go and how did you end up with Warwickshire? 
Uh, my first year at Essex actually went really well. We made T20 finals day for the second team. I've only played second team for them. And we played in the four-day final up at uh, Riverside, Emirates Riverside versus Durham. Uh, I, had a, I had actually quite a good season. I think I averaged like 40-odd. Um, and then went back in 2019. I unfortunately, completely honestly, didn't have didn't do as well as I would have liked to. It was frustrating. I batted 7-8 most of the time. Uh, I mean, 2018-2019, Essex had a very strong squad, won the championship, won the T20 Blast. Um, so I think it was a great, great sort of experience. Um, and it stood me in good stead, especially with my time at Warwickshire. Yes, it was disappointing after doing really nice in 2018 to not get anything. But I was so new, so young, so I was just delighted with the opportunity. And then Warwickshire came about... 2019 winter sort of november time the mccu universities or as they were each sent five or six players to loughborough for trial day and the county sent second team coaches and scouts as you may know um and it was just in a net session there actually that ian westwood chatted to my coach at the time mel betts and was just asking a little bit about me do i keep how do i play and he was really impressed with the way i batted and my range of shots uh, and I was meant to trial with Warwickshire 2020, but unfortunately with COVID, there was no second team cricket as such. And then, yeah, managed to get a few games in, sort of in and amongst exams this summer. And it sort of all steamrolled from there, really. So presumably the turning point must have been that innings against Glamorgan, 149 in a 20-over game. How the hell did you manage that? Uh, I think, yeah, that was obviously very important in the process, but I'd actually say my innings... Two weeks before then was my sort of my real step in the right direction when I scored 95 not out of 44 versus Worcestershire uh, in the T20 game. Um, and Mo and Ali was playing that day as well. So that also had a large, played a large role in how I got selected in the Phoenix with him being captain. Uh, so it was sort of after then that Warwickshire really sort of had their eye on me, um, said they would be looking to get me on a summer contract. And then, yes, exactly after that. Uh, 149 in the T20 game. Um, they were very interested. <laughs> yeah. What is it about you guys born in South Africa and, and batting? I mean, is it, it must be because, you know, the string of batsmen who've come from South Africa and played for England is quite a long list. And, you know, it, it's, it's something about the outdoor life, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think growing up, we do spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, I guess wickets are a little bit foster in South Africa. Uh, so maybe a little bit more positive at times when growing up. I don't know. Uh, and then I think when you come over here um, and chasing that dream, there's a real like hunger inside you to do well. Um, and you know it's sort of all or nothing, really. Uh, and I think it stood to the likes of KP, Trot, uh, Strauss, yeah, in really good stead and seems to mm. be going all right for myself at the moment, so hopefully you can keep the momentum going. So so what was, tell us about the um, experience of, you know, playing with Moeen and and him. He Did he bat with you and, and what, what did he say afterwards? No, in that, no, in in that, that game you in talked game about. You talk about. Yeah, so I, he was playing for Worcestershire, um, so I, I played, just played against him. Uh, didn't, didn't even actually say a word to him. Uh, only then later found out when I was picked up by the Phoenix and chatted to him, he just said, um, just from my first few balls, the way I timed the ball, 
Um, the confidence I had, he said he hadn't seen that in a player for a long time and he was really impressed. Um, so, yeah, to go into a change room, have him as my captain um, and he the whole time emphasised, go out there, be confident, play the way you play to get in, get into the sort of the Phoenix team. Gave myself and the whole team a lot of confidence uh, to go out there and perform. And I think you can see that with my performances, Livingston's, Moe's, Smeed's, everyone had some really good contributions throughout. And, and you then uh, debuted in the T20 for Warwickshire and the, uh, the Raw London as well. And you got a 50 in each game. So I mean, what do you put that success down to? Oh, I think a number of things. I think a large part must go must be given credit to the environment at Warwickshire. Um, it's been a lot of real positive talk, um, a lot of emphasis on going out there, being brave, being positive, and go go back yourself one hundred percent. There'll be no, especially in T twenty T twenty cricket, no comeback from the coaches if you get out playing a certain shot. If it's your shot, whatever it might be, go out there and play it, and they'll back it. So I think that helped me when making my debut, just be real confident. Um, playing in the second team with the likes, likes of Carlos Brathwaite in a few games also really helped. Um, just a bit of mentoring, um, understanding my game. He gave me some great pointers. Uh, and then, yeah, when it came to it, I think playing in front of a large crowd and that actually really helped me sort of focus um, and sort of thrive off the energy from the crowd. So... What was your experience of the of the hundred final? Oh, it was incredible. Since since I can remember, it's been one of probably my biggest dream, one of my biggest dreams, um, to play at Lords. Wasn't an international game for England, but oh, for a hundred final in front of a full house, uh, can't get that much better. I don't think. Um, it was obviously very disappointing to not get the win, and not get the trophy. Um, it was quite. It was tough batting at the end. Um, I, was, I was quite disappointed to be honest because I'd got the team over the line in a few other games in sort of similar situations um, but I look back now and it's a great learning experience to come up against the likes of Jordan and Mills at their best bowling 90 miles an hour and then bowling um, slow balls that are really hard to pick so I think it's a great learning experience that will keep me in good stead going for, forward so no great experience you you finished that tournament obviously getting to the final which was you know for you I mean so tell us I mean just contrast your summer um, you're in the final of the 100 so go back three months to you know what were you doing three months before as a contrast who were you playing for playing for Durham University versus Loughborough and Leeds University at the uni grounds, yeah, um, completely different <laughs> ends of the spectrum mm. almost. Um, I think the thing I also kept telling myself during the hundred, um, yes, it's a bigger stage and all that, but the wicket's still twenty-two yards and the ball's still round, so nothing really changes. Um, if anything, at times it's a bit easier. There's a bit more pace. The wicket's better. The outfield's faster. So I just tried to look at all the positives, um, and that helped me with being really confident. But no, couldn't be any different really. <laughs> from however many thousand people to 10 people and a few dogs. <laughs> and, um, okay, so you've, you've done the 100 and, you know, obviously come second, but, you know, great, great effort to get to the final. Then, 
even more remarkably, 100 on championship debut. So what was that like? How did you end up batting at number three? When did you find out you were playing? You know, you know just ta- talk us through that experience. I was obviously delighted to first get selected. Um, as I've been saying the whole summer, even though I've had a big breakthrough in white ball cricket, red ball cricket is just as, if not more important to me. Um, and if you talk to my teammates, coaches growing up, they would have said I'll play first class cricket or test cricket before I ever play franchise or ODI cricket, for example. Um, I've always been known as someone with really good temperament, um, like to bat time. And it's only really over the last sort of three, four years have I developed a, wide, a wider range of shots. So I think I got the go in the game just from my form in the white ball format. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess there was, a, there was an opening at three. I've, I've, I've said to the coach sort of the whole year, um, I love batting three. So if, if it's ever there, please know that that's where I want to bat. Um, so no, it was a massive call for, for, from his behalf because I played, what, one second team Red Bull game for Warwickshire. Um, I had no Red Bull practice before the game because I was straight from the quarterfinals of the T20 Blast in Kent to drive all the way up to Old Trafford. So no, it was a, it was a massive call from the coach to play me. Uh, and I think one of the, the other things, the biggest things I found at Warwickshire is I've been looking for sort of a place where the coaches back me and give me that opportunity. Um, and that's really, all you can ask for is a couple of opportunities and then it's up to you to take them. And I couldn't be more grateful opportunities and just delighted I've managed to take a few of them. So so what happened? You came in number three, Dominic Sibley, so what happened? Yeah, so we were seven for two, um, and myself and Sam Hain sort of came to the middle. Uh, it was actually, it was, a, it was a good batting wicket. I mean, a new ball will always do something, but um, late in the season at Old, Old Trafford, there's never too much grass on the wicket, so it was a good batting wicket, and we... We just tried to consolidate. Um, we ran really well. Um, so there were loads of quick singles, turning ones into twos, and that sort of helped get the momentum of the innings. And with that sort of pressure, with the running, we got a few more bad balls and started to get into a real nice rhythm, um, scored at a, a decent rate. And yeah, the whole time I was just trying to watch the ball real closely. I, my first my first 10 balls, I may have played one or two expansive drives, having come straight from the 100 and the T20 blast. Um, but slowly found the rhythm, um, got back into the rhythm of red ball cricket and just kept trying to put the bowlers under pressure. Um, even though you've got four days to bat, I think the key is put the bowl under pressure and that's the way you get bad balls. We went for T when I was on 93. Um, so I just tried to stay a real, real focused during T. Um, just kept telling myself, just just keep doing what you're doing. There's no need to go in your shoal, but there's also no need to try hit it out the park for six. Um, good wicket, keep doing what you're doing and it'll come. So it came out, Parkinson was coming around the wicket and I managed to sort of hit a straight drive and that just got stopped. I got three, so I went to 96 and then couldn't have been much better. I got a sort of a, a ball on the hip and managed to tickle it to fine leg for four to bring up 100. So couldn't ask for a better ball to get to 100. Um, but yeah, just in the moment, uh, never really had that feeling of so much excitement, a bit of relief and just like, oh, so good to be on the big stage um, and showing everyone that I am good enough. I believe it, but it's one thing believing it and doing it. So it's just really nice to 
to do it in all three formats because I've been pushing hard um, on wanting to be an all three formats player. Um, I've got big aspirations to play test cricket for England. So no, I was just really excited to get the first one in my debut. So what's, what's your aim for the rest of this season now? Well, first off, as a team, it would be great to win the Div 1 title and then make the Bob Willis Trophy final at Lords. Um, so that's a big goal for the team. And for myself, it's just to really try and cement my spot at number three. So I'd love to put in a few few big performances and help, help the team get there and really cement my spot spot for next year. Plan for the winters, hopefully going to get the Dubai T10. Find out Monday or Tuesday, I think the auction is. Um, so that'll be, that'll be incredible. Just another learning experience, playing in different conditions, different bowlers, meeting different guys picking other people's brains, different coaches. So that would be a great learning experience. And then you know, also looking at maybe the Mzanzi Super League uh, in, in South Africa over the December period. Not confirmed yet. I'm, I'm an overseas there now, so it makes it a little bit harder when competing against the likes of Mo and Livy for those sorts of gigs. Um, big big bash would be incredible, but still, still a little, I think I've still got a few seasons of proving myself before I can get that. Um, but oh, you never know with COVID, bubbles, IPL, World Cup, there's a lot on for some of the players and I think guys will want some time off. So uh, hopefully people know I'm keen. I'm happy to sit in a hotel room for two weeks if it means I get to play. Well, very interesting to listen to Chris Benjamin. Um, good luck to him in the, the final match that Warwickshire have. It's a neck and neck uh, contest at the top of the Division 1 in the LV Insurance County Championship. I'm sure they'll be batting at number three in their final game and they're trying to get uh, their way to the top of that table. Actually, it's very close at the top of that Division One table. Six points separating the top four sides. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens. We'll cover the end uh, of that tournament uh, about a week's time on this podcast. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to The Cricketer at thecricketer.com slash subscribe. And thanks very much for listening. We'll join you next week. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.